Hey, this is Josh Herrera, and I am so glad that you have joined us today. If you are a part of our Lighthouse Church family, we would love to connect with you via our social media at Lighthouse Church NC or online at lighthousechurchnc.org. We want to get you plugged into a connect group or on the dream team so that you are doing life together with people just like you. We hope you enjoy today's message and stay tuned for more announcements at the end of our podcast. Incense and altars. How many of you are already done with all of your Christmas decorations? Your house? Oh, Jasmine. Of course, Jasmine. That hand went up so fast. She's like, not only was I the first to decorate, but I'm the first to get my hand up. Um, so um, so I, I'm, I'm lagging. I con- Confession time. I'm not doing a great. I'm behind the game. My wife's, she's giving me the side eye. She's like, yes, you are. You are behind the game. And uh, one of the things that we did last week, speaking of Christmas decorations, we kind of busted the nativity scene. Uh, anyone that's got a nativity scene out on their front yard, the typical nativity scene will have baby Jesus, Mary Joseph, maybe some camels. You'll have the shepherds there, and then you'll have the three wise men there. Um, the, the number three is not really a known number. Some estimate that when the wise men actually showed up, which, by the way, was two years after the birth of Jesus. I know I busted your nativity scene right there. If you think the wise men rolled up on the night that Jesus was born, they didn't. They actually rolled up two years after Jesus was born. And, and, and some estimates will say that about 20 men might have rolled up. But um, there's three that are highlighted. And we've been speaking about the three gifts that the wise men brought to Jesus. Now, last week we talked about the gift of gold, and it really symbolized his kingship, that Jesus was not just a baby, not just a boy, but that he was king. So if you missed last week, I'd encourage you, catch the podcast, catch the message on YouTube, and you'll catch up. And today, we're going to talk about the second gift, which was the gift of frankincense. And then next week, I'm, I'm already like done with next week. It was funny how God wrecked me in preparation for this week and, 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 and literally still working on me into the evening yesterday. But uh, next week, we're going to be talking about the third gift, which was the gift of myrrh. So today, we're going to be talking about the gift of frankincense which really pointed to the fact that he's not just king, but Jesus is also God. He's not just king, but Jesus is also God. And and the reason why that gift of frankincense represents the fact that he is God and and that he is deity, he he is Lord, the fact that the, the reason that frankincense is symbolic of his lordship is because there's only two places that you used frankincense in the temple in the Old Testament. So when we go all the way back to the Old Testament, we see that frankincense was used for two primary purposes. The first one is when the priests would use frankincense at the altar of incense, as we just talked about. They would they would bring the frankincense, and we'll talk a little more about that in a second. But that was the first use of frankincense, and it would it would be burned in the temple day and night. And that frankincense was symbolic, and it is it is a type of worship. That's why that third song we sang today talked about offering up our incense. We're not here physically lighting incense. 
frankincense to cover up funny smells. We are here using the type of frankincense to offer up worship. And then the second place that we see frankincense being used was on the sacrifices that were used on the brazen altar. And we'll talk about that in just a second. So in Exodus 30, the Lord tells Moses exactly how he is to prepare the temple and where the frankincense was to be used. And the incense altar represents prayer and it represents worship of the people that is going up before God morning and night. So the first thing I want you to write down is frankincense is symbolic of worship. Frankincense is symbolic of worship. And, and, and what we said at the end of what we said at the end of verse 6 when the Lord speaks to Moses and tells him everything that he tells him about the, the, um, the, the altar of incense and where it is to be placed. He says, I am going to meet you right there, right where you light that incense up, right where that altar of incense is. I'm going to meet you right there. You see, God always meets us at the place of our worship. I said, God always meets us at the place of our worship. Now, there's some times where God will meet us in random places. How many had God meet you in a random place? Like I said, I'm in, I'm in Ninja Factory yesterday at 4 o'clock, and I hear the Holy Spirit start whispering into me. He just scrapped that sermon title and go in an entirely different direction. So God will meet with you in sometimes random places. And some of y'all know what I'm talking about when you just feel the Spirit of the Lord speak to you and meet you in a place where you're like, I wasn't even looking for God, and yet there he is. But just know that God... God will always meet you when you come to him and worship. And what we see in this passage of scripture that the incense need to be lit morning and night is first and foremost, worship needs to be priority in our life. And it is something that we should bring to God every single morning. How many know that worship needs to be priority in your life? Before you do anything in your day, one of the first things that you need to do is you need to have an appointment with the creator, King Jesus, Lord of Lords, and you need to meet with him early in the morning. I, I, I get in the rhythm of trying to get up before my three little boys wake up because all the parents know that once the kids wake up, it's over. It's just over. It's like, I need cereal. I need this. Give me my cat boy. He looked at me. He touched me. You know, all of that funny stuff that my three-year-old, my, my, my three kids will do. And, and, and my kids are three, six, and nine. And so before they get going, I have to meet with God and I have to spend time with him and give him my worship. That's just like Aaron lighting the incense altar. And I know that when I have that quiet time before my boys are awake and before really the rest of the world is talking to me, I've got to make time and talk to Jesus. I've had to discipline myself, and what you need to do is get real practical with this. I don't want to just talk to you about what's a good thing to do, but let me give you some practical things. Don't check your phone until you've met with Jesus. Don't check email until you've met with Jesus. Stay off of Instagram until you've met with Jesus. Don't do anything else because things, the, the urgency in life will catch you. And before you know it, you'll have missed your meeting with Jesus and you're in an entirely different direction. And if you don't get that worship right, it's going to set the pace for the rest of your day. And if I can't put Jesus at the front of my day, good luck getting him into any other place of my day. Because now I'm just consumed with, did that graphic get approved? Did that email go out? Was this approved? Someone got upset. Somebody's offended. We got crisis at church. Whatever the issue is, I need to make sure that before I do anything else, I need to give God worship. 
but it doesn't just start with your morning before the day is over. Because God told Moses, I want you to do, to command Aaron to do it morning and night. Before we call it a day, you need to pause, reflect on all that God has done for you, and once again bring him some worship. Bring him some worship. Now, 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 what that'll look like for each of you is different. We'll dig into what it could look like um, for, for all of you some more. But there's something about putting this bookends of your day where the first part of your day and the last part of your day are moments of worship. Our moments where you're talking to your father. Our moments when you are just getting into his presence and saying, Father, before this day begins, I need to talk to you. And before this day ends, I once again need to talk to you. I think this is why the scriptures say, don't go to bed angry. And I'm paraphrasing that, but don't go to bed angry. I think it says, don't let the sun go down on your wrath. Don't be going to bed all in your feelings now, okay? Go have a conversation with God. You want to be able to sleep at night. You want to know that that weight has been lifted. You want to know that this is something that is going to be gone. And so you, you, you make this time to talk to him in the morning, then you talk to him in the evening. And the scriptures go on to say that, that when you do this, when you get this right, when you get this morning worship and this evening worship, if you get this right, it's going to be carried on from generation to generation. And if there's one thing that I, I, I desperately want to hand down to my sons is I want to teach them the importance of worship. I said, I want to teach my boys the importance of worship. There's a lot of things that I can teach my kids, but if I don't teach them to worship, I've missed the most important thing that I could teach them. If I don't teach them to worship, and listen, the best way that you can teach your kids to worship is to be a worshiper. Because there's some things that aren't taught. There's things that are caught. And they need to catch you worshiping God. I want to take a moment and pause. It's not every day that I have my parents in the room, but my mom and dad are here. Can we give them a round of applause? Young couple sitting right here. I especially honor them because they're taking my kids home after church. Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. I'm kidding. But, but I want to I honor my mom because I would see my mom doing this every single morning. I, 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 remember, I remember, Mom, I remember this vividly when, when we would be in the kitchen and, and my mom would have us all dressed and, and ready to go to school. And, and, and I remember there'd be a moment where my mom would shut the door. And you knew that she'd start praying. There was times I'd be looking at the clock like, yo, if mom don't hurry up, we're going to be late. You know, but, but I, I, I observed my mom doing this. Worship is caught. It's not taught. It's caught. And I would see my mom doing this. And this is why the writer said, if you get this right, it's going to be handed down from generation to generation. Not because you told your kids, but because you modeled it to your kids. You, you, when I was a youth pastor, you'll never, you'll never understand the amount of times that I would hear parents come and talk to me and say, I just want my kid to be a worshiper. But then I'd see how mom and dad worshiped in church, and I'd be like, well, they're doing exactly what you do. You're not, wor you're not lifting your hands. You're, you're not leaning into the presence of God. You're not chasing after God in these moments. They're going to do exactly what you do. You don't have a youth group problem. You don't have a youth pastor problem. You haven't yet modeled worship to them. And this is what the writer was saying. Moses, teach Aaron to do this. And Aaron, if you do this right, it's going to be carried on from generation to generation. This, this act of bringing God our worship in the morning and this act of bringing God our worship in the evening. Let your kids catch you worshiping. Let your kids catch you worshiping. Now, this particular brand of incense that was to be used, if you were to go to the later passages of Exodus chapter 30, and for the interest of time, I can't go and read every scripture to you. But if you read in the later passages of Exodus 30, it goes into how this incense was to be prepared. 
and there was spices that were mixed together with the frankincense, and, and he was given a recipe. Moses was literally downloaded from heaven, a recipe by God, and then God said, don't use this incense anywhere else. It's exclusive. It belongs to me. I'm not going to share this recipe with anyone. Anybody got a good recipe in the house where your mom handed it down to you or maybe you were lucky enough to have it handed down to you? You all know what I'm talking about. We have family members that have recipes, and and I'll, I'll never forget, I've got an aunt who's got the most amazing green enchilada sauce that'll make you speak in tongues. And make you want to go to Mexico. I mean, it's just incredible. And she's and 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 she don't give it out to no one. And it was the funniest thing because one time my uncle was having a party and she's she's doing her thing and 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 one woman showed up. I didn't know she was a friend of my uncle. I didn't know her, but she showed up and she didn't get it. She was like, "May I please have your recipe?" And we were all like, "Good luck with that," you know, because we knew our hand. We're like, "You ain't getting the recipe, which you're gonna catch is a chancla or something." But I mean, you're not gonna get the recipe, you know. Don't bug her. But she was so persistent, and my aunt like had to literally shut her down. And 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 um, yeah, she was like, "You ain't getting this recipe. Sorry." Um, and, and, um, and, you know, and it's funny, but, but in the same way, just giving you like an example there, but in the same way, God was like, this is how you're going to prepare the frankincense that you're going to use inside the temple, and you're not going to use this anywhere else. This is exclusive to me. And, and, and that's really the way God is with worship, because not only should your worship be priority, but your worship also needs to be exclusive, Let's go to Deuteronomy 6.4. It says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, um, the Lord is our God and the Lord alone. And you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your strength. Write this down. God will not share his worship. The reason this was, the, the reason this brand of incense that was used inside the temple was exclusive is because there's many things that God is, and there's one thing that we don't like to use to describe God, but the Bible does. The Bible says he is a jealous God. He will not share his glory with anyone. In addition to his glory, he does not want to share his worship with anyone. Because if worship was shared with something other than God, then he wouldn't be God. It would, it would break his moral authority to, to, to share his worship because then that would elevate something to a place that only God can sit in. But, but God doesn't share his worship with anyone. Worship belongs exclusively to God. As a matter of fact, there was, um, if you go all the way back into eternity, there was an angel by the name of Lucifer that tried to hijack some of that worship. And all that did was get him kicked out of heaven and, and, and suffer eternal separation from God. Do you want to know what else separates you from God? Sin. And what sin does is it begins competing for your attention, which means it begins to compete for your worship. Sin always seems good. Sin always seems easy. Uh, sin always appears as negligible at first until it begins to take a place that only God should live in. And, and, too many, and, and many of us might not think, well, well, I really don't worship anything. Worship is basically what you make priority over God. And if something has priority over God in your life, you worship it. Now, Pastor Josh, I, nothing's got priority in my life over God. And all I'd have to do is see your friends and see your money. And I know exactly what's got priority in your life. If I see your circle and if I see your checking, sta your checking account statements, I'll know what's got priority in your life.
And God is trying to bring us back to this place where he says, look, um, not not only do I want you to worship me morning and night, we're going to burn that incense morning and night, but there's a special type of frankincense to teach you all that this is holy and it belongs solely to me. And there's something that we can give to God that God can't even give himself, and that is worship. That is worship. It's the one thing that he cannot give himself. And what it does is it brings us into this place of closeness with him, which has always been the plan of God. He's never wanted to be separated from us. It's sin that separates us from God. But in God's great big plans, there is nothing that separates us from him. And worship brings us back to this place where we meet with him. That's why he says in his word, thou shalt have no other gods before me. And a God is anything. A God is anything that you let take priority over your life. It could be your car. It could be your job. It could be a relationship. It could be your, it could be your son or daughter's athleticism. I've seen too many parents make Sunday such an afterthought because they think their kid is the next messy. And they're traveling to all the soccer tournaments up and down the state. Um, and we got to be careful with that. We got to be careful with the priorities that we put in our lives. And so just like your worship should go up morning and night, worship should also be separate. It is something that is unique. It's, it's unique. It belongs to God alone. It is holy. It is separate. Now, as I said earlier, there was two places where worship was used. The first place was in the incense altar, but, in this, um, but we also see that the second place that incense was used, the second place that frankincense was used was, during the, was for the animal sacrifices. So thank God we're talking Old Testament today, okay? Um, so um, in the Old Testament, they would bring animals to sacrifice, and they would go before God as an offering. So, they, so what they would do is they would take these animals, and they would rub this incense on the animals that were being sacrificed. And then there was the brazen altar, which was basically a big grill, okay? And they would then cook the meat of that animal. They'd come to the temple. In Old Testament, they'd bring their animals to be slaughtered for sacrifice. This was the practice and custom of the day. And they would rub that meat with frankincense and then put it on the brazen altar. I hope I didn't make some of y'all hungry. And then they, but they would, they, they would put the frankincense on the sacrifice and put it on the altar. And that was a way of bringing their offering offering to God, and they, they would bring that and rub it, and this all happened in the outer courts. But I want you to catch something. I want you to catch something really key here. They would take the frankincense, and they would rub it on every single animal that was an offering to God. But then later, it says that there's one type of sacrifice, there's one type of offering where it is not permitted for you to rub frankincense on that type of offering, and that is the sin offering. Anytime someone brought an animal to be sacrificed at the altar for the forgiveness of sins, meaning it was a sin offering, that was the sacrifice to receive the forgiveness of sins in the Old Testament, he said, you cannot rub this frankincense, which is exclusive to worship, on top of your sin offering. And here's the last thing that I want you to write down. I'm going to teach this for a second. Because worship is all about God. So not only is worship... Not only is worship exclusive to him, but worship is all about him. And the reason you cannot rub frankincense on the sin offering is because the sin offering is about you. It's so that you would receive forgiveness of sins, which we all need forgiveness of sins. Amen? And thank God that we've all received forgiveness of sin through the sacrifice of his son Jesus. Amen? And so we know that we've received forgiveness, but in this time, 
And this time, the way to receive forgiveness was to bring an offering, a sin offering, but it was not permitted to rub the frankincense on the sin offering because the sin offering is not about God. The sin offering is about you. And God will not share the frankincense, which is the worship, with you. And so that was the one place where it was prohibited. And this is why worship has absolutely nothing to do with you. You see, if you come to God and ask him to fix your mess, you still haven't worshiped because that's about you. If you come to God and you ask for forgiveness of where you fell short, you still haven't worshiped God because that's all about you. If you come to God and tell him you need a financial blessing, if you come to God and you tell him I need a man, if you come to God and you tell him I need a car, I need new clothes, I need, TV, I need a new TV, you are not worshiping him. Now listen, there's nothing wrong with coming to God and making your needs known before God. But make no mistake, when you come to him with your list of requests, you're treating him a lot more like a genie than you are God. And so when you come to him with all of these requests, you've not yet entered into worship. And you're try you, you can't say, well, I worshiped him today. How would that work in a marriage if you went to go have a conversation with your spouse and one person did all the talking? Do not say amen like that's your reality at home, man. But that's a very one-sided relationship, and yet that's how we treat God sometimes. We come to him with a list of what we need. We come to him with a list of things that are broken. We come to him with a list of things that, God, you got to get this right. And he wants to do that. But if you get up and you walk away from that moment and not just sat there in his presence just for who he is and brought him worship and brought him praise just for who he is, you have not yet worshiped. You, you, you have not yet brought a posture of worship. You've put your needs above the need, the real need of worshiping him, of getting into his presence, of just sitting at his feet. That's why we, we, we get wrecked every time we hear that song because it's a reminder that too many times we do bring to God our issues. Too many, and that's all we do. Too many times we bring to God the mess, and that's all we do. Again, I'm not saying you don't come to God with your needs, but there's a problem when you only come to God with your needs. We've got to mature to this place where we bring to God our worship. We get to this place where we worship him just for who he is. Worship is what we give to God simply because he is God. And listen, his worth Worship is worth-ship, attributing worth to him. That's what worship is. His worth does not change because of my circumstances. His worth does not change because of your circumstances. It didn't all of a sudden make him less God. It didn't all of a sudden make him less able. It didn't all of a sudden decrease his power or his ability or his deity, his omnipresence, his omnipotence, his omniscience. None of that is affected by how we're doing. None of that is. None of that is. And, and, and we got to be careful because there's a brand of Christianity that attributes the, the, all the good in your life as God's signs of approval. And, and, and that couldn't be further from the truth. You are affirmed, you are approved because who you are, because you are a son of God, you're a daughter of God. That doesn't mean it's all going to be sun and rainbows and Skittles and unicorns. That's not what it means at all. But we got to be careful with this brand of, of Christianity that teaches that everything that's going right in your life means that God must love you. 
or love you more. So be careful with that. And, and, and so it is with worship. When we only bring to God, when we, when, when we only come to God when things are going well, or when we only come to God because things are a mess, we, we've really messed with the, the, the essence of what worship is. And I believe that when these wise men rolled up and, and, and they, they brought this gift of frankincense, it is this reminder that this is what you bring to God. You bring gold because he's a king, but you bring worship because he's God. And if I lose my job, he's still on the throne. And if I go through a hard setback in life, he's still on the throne. And if things aren't going my way, he's still on the throne. How are you glad that he's on the throne regardless of what's happening in your life and in your circumstance and your situation? And because he's on the throne now and because he's on the throne forever, we will always worship him. Come on, look at your neighbor and tell him, I will always worship him. And I'm coming to a close now. So, so we, we see that worship must become priority. Everybody say priority. Worship must be priority. And, 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 and my, 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 my call to you today is that. What are the things that are competing for priority in your life? Because you really only get one priority. You got one priority. You, you, you can't say that all these things are priority in my life because then nothing is priority. All things can't be important because nothing's important. So, so we, we have to ask ourselves, is he really priority in my life? And is it evidenced in what I do? In what I do, does it reflect the fact that God is priority in my life? Does my life reflect that he truly is number one? He also needs to be exclusive. It's not just that he's number one, but we have the wherewithal to live life in such a way that he's not just priority, but he's exclusive. And I think we struggle with that. I think we struggle with that, this exclusivity, because it's hard to quantify that sometimes. What does, an ex what does it look like for God to be exclusive? And, and as, as much as I try to paint a picture of it, I, I always come back to my kids. I, I can't help it. I'm a father. And every parent in the room, you know what I'm talking about. Um, and, and when I look at my children, th th this is really when I know that everything is where it needs to be. When I look at my children, do, do I see them as ultimately my responsibility or as God's responsibility? And that's not easy. Because as parents, we all want the best for our kids, right? But, but before they are mine, they are his. Be be before they belong to me, they belong to him. And, 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 and no matter what I would like to see them do with their life, they've got a calling from God on their life. And, 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 and all, that, all that God is asking me to do is steward that gift that I'm giving you. Steward that son. Steward that daughter. But, but, but that really helps me understand and put into the right perspective that not only is he priority, but he's exclusive. He's exclusive in my Nothing else takes the place of God in my life. And nothing comes close because my worship is exclusive. And, and again, as I just mentioned a minute ago, lastly, worship is all about him. I'm, I'm sorry for the times when I made worship about me. I'm sorry when, when, when I, I, I confused what I needed with what God really needed. And, and prayer is less about changing things in my life as much as it is changing you. You know what I'm saying? We, we, we teach here that when you go to God 
and you bring him that need. And when you go to God in prayer, understand that God hears your prayer and he's going to respond exactly the way that he needs to respond. Now, some of us think he didn't respond because it didn't go the way you wanted it to go. Well, hold on a second. Hold on a second. God's not going to do what you want, as as Juana so eloquently pointed out, but he's going to do what you need. And sometimes what you want is not what you need. And God is not obligated to do what you want, but as a good father, he's going to do what you need. I said, as a good father, he's going to do exactly what you need. So right there, let's lean in for a moment. I'm going to ask you right there. If this message has blessed your life, I want to encourage you to share this message with others or go online to our website and consider making a donation so that we can continue bringing you content just like today's message. God bless you.